Well, hey, what's up, Pacific Coast Church? Pastor J.F. Wilkerson here. Welcome, 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 wherever you're watching from. Thanks for tuning on right here at Church Online. Hey, it is the end of summer. Man, last week of August. I hope you're uh, enjoying this time of year. If you're up here in the great Pacific Northwest, I mean, this is like heaven on earth. And so I know so many folks in our church, uh, you're on vacation, you've been out camping, uh, and maybe you're tuning in from uh, another location. Hey, thanks for taking part of your summer vacation and spending it with us. If you're watching from somewhere else, we have friends that watch from locally here, and then we have friends that watch uh, in other states and even we have people even let us know they watch from other countries and so wherever you're watching from thanks for being a part of this today hey uh, we're wrapping up our series today summer in the psalms you're going to absolutely love this teaching by my wife pastor ashley it's going to just encourage you it's going to enlighten you and it's going to bless you so stay tuned but before we get to that I just want to uh, remind everybody of this next weekend, which we call one of four seasonal Sabbaths. And, and it, it's, it's just a time where uh, we, four times a year, where we don't gather in person. Now, most of you know what, who are watching, we as a church, we gather every Sunday in the physical, in person for worship at Mount Tahoma High School at 10 a.m. in Tacoma, Washington. In fact, we're there right now. Uh, but next Sunday, we won't be there because four times a year, we have what we call our seasonal Sabbath, where we actually take time to not gather together on a Sunday, but we actually take time and we gather in our small groups, we gather with our loved ones, and uh, we just spend some time in our small groups watching online. So this next Sunday, Labor Day weekend, where by the way, it's kind of like the last hurrah of summer. Uh, so many of you uh, will be gathering in groups to watch online. So I encourage you to do just that. Get together with some other people, maybe break some bread and make sure you watch right here online for our seasonal Sabbath Sunday. You're gonna hear a beautiful uh, interview and testimony from a dynamic couple in our church. There's going to be praise and worship on there, and it's just going to be a great time uh, where we uh, come together, not in person, but online. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And then listen, hey, we are gearing up for this fall. Uh, kids are going back to school, and as we all kind of shift in the seasons, uh, we kind of come out of summer, and I don't know if you're like my family. I think lots of you are. We kind of get back on track with uh, a rhythm of life. And so with that, I know lots of people will be coming back uh, to our in-person gatherings. But hey, hey, take some time uh, this next weekend and just spend it with those that you love, your small groups. If you want to, you know, if maybe you don't have people or maybe you're uh, new to the area, Hey, we would love for you to check out our website. We've got small groups. In fact, we have a small group uh, launch happening here in the fall. We've got opportunities. You'll see where uh, if you're interested in uh, facilitating one of our small groups, we're going to have a training coming up 
where my wife and I will be teaching that, how to do that and what that looks like. I promise you it's not scary. It's it's actually pretty simple. So we, uh, we're excited about that. But listen, if you're watching and maybe you're brand new or however you came across this, or maybe you've been attending for, attending for a while and you want to get to know a little bit more about Pacific Coast Church, all you have to do is just text the word Pacific to 84576 and you're going to get a direct link to your smart device. You click on that link and man, you'll you'll just open Pandora's box of Pacific Coast Church where you can see everything that we're about, how you can get connected and uh, uh, really we just want to be everything that we can for you we're a brand you know brand new about a year and a half year old church maybe not that long but we're just we're, we're young and it's exciting and it's diverse and so we would love for you uh, to check us out and be a part of that so many things going on it was so awesome this past week where because of your generosity Pacific Coast Church we were able to give 400 backpacks, yeah, to the students at Mount Tahoma High School. You'll see some cool video work about that and whatnot and a little recap, but we're just excited, excited for all that God's doing at Pacific Coast Church. And so right now, I just want to give you an opportunity uh, to give. It's one of the things that is so important for us as a church, and this is such a generous church, and I'm just so honored, like I said, 400 backpacks that we were able to do uh, above and above our tithes and offerings. You were generous, and so 400 students at Mount Tahoma High School have access to backpacks and, and school supplies, and some of the thing, other things that we gave were uh, USB, uh, you know, um, little little thumbnails and, 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 and computer chargers, and it's just a beautiful thing, and so, it's, it's because of your giving. It's because of you being so generous. Of course, some of you know that we as a church, we tithe on everything that comes in. So, so whatever comes in, we, we not only give 10%, we, we give 12% to different Jesus organizations locally, nationally, and internationally. And of course, we're, we're going to be, as we get closer to the end of the year, we're going to be sending out all of those financial records of what we've been able to do as a church to bless this community and 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 different Jesus works all throughout the land. It's really exciting. And as young as we are, it's amazing just how much you've been able to do. So God bless you for doing that. If you're giving today, there's many different ways that you can give. You can give online, just text the word donation once again to that number that I told you earlier, 845-76. You'll get a link there and it'll take you through the steps. You can obviously go online and there's a process there that's pretty simple. Or you can just mail in your checks to Pacific Coast Church, P.O. Box 66026, Tacoma, Washington, 98467. And um, please give us as much information as you're willing to give us so that we can properly receipt you. All right. Well, hey, man, we are so excited today as we continue the series, Summer in the Psalms. You're going to love this. But before we do that, let me just take a minute and pray for you, wherever you're watching from. God, I just thank you for every person watching. I pray that you would bless them. I pray for those that are dealing with sickness, financial issues, relationship, uh, 
issues, whatever it is, Lord God, I just pray that you would heal them, touch them. I thank you for who you are and what you're doing in the lives of uh, people that call Pacific Coast Church home. God, we bless every church in our community. And I just thank you for your word that's about to go forth. I pray that it uh, blesses people who are watching right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right. Pacific Coast Church, Pastor Ashley here in my backyard. I'm so glad that you joined us today for this last week of summer in the Psalms. And it's a hot one today. I mean, this summer feels hot and short, doesn't it? I mean, I guess it kind of always does. But we haven't even covered in this series a tenth of the actual Psalms. But it has been an amazing time of learning and reflection on this collection of poems and songs in Scripture. And multiple things this week have had me thinking about songs. In case you didn't know, our incredible Pacific Coast worship team has been in the studio writing and recording and filming. Friends, they have amazing plans to drop a full album this year. So be praying for them. I'm so excited for it. They let me hear a few of the song samples this week, and oh, it's phenomenal, of course, and it's so anointed. So see, there's even more reasons to stay tuned. You're going to go nuts for it, I promise. I'm so excited to see all of the things that God's going to do through those amazing worshipers and all the different avenues that God's using individuals, individually and collectively at Pacific Coast Church. With all that in mind, I was meditating a lot this week about how poems and songs play a role in our everyday lives too. One thing you have to know about the Wilkerson's is that we love to have family dance parties. Like, if you drove by our house some nights, you might actually think we've lost our minds. And maybe we have. But sometimes, you just, you know, you have a hard day and you gotta dance it out, right? And I promise you don't want to see me dancing. But you know what I'm saying. Confession time. Wait for it. We don't just dance to Christian music. I know! Blasphemy, right? One of Fulton's very favorite bands is called Walk the Moon. And one of his favorite songs, maybe you've heard it, it's an old one. We've talked about it before. It's called Shut Up and Dance With Me, right? Okay, admittedly, he probably only loves it because it's the only time he's allowed to say shut up in our house. But what's really funny is that there are times that he gets super frustrated with his sister. Shocking, I know. And I've heard him say, and dance with me and make that face at her, right? Okay, it's super obvious in those moments that he's not wanting to dance with her, right? What is he doing? He's blatantly directing her to the words that come right before those lyrics, right? That he's grunting and he's making that face. And she knows the song too. So she also knows exactly what her little brother is telling her. What's so interesting is that there is a rabbinic form of teaching that uses similar strategies with scripture. It's called allusion or remez. In the same way that we in our modern day culture assume that people know certain songs, for instance, like everyone getting up during the seventh inning stretch at a baseball game, right? 
take me out to the ball game. Everybody kind of assumes you know that one. Or even certain stories. We've talked about that before, how most of us know what happens in the story of the three little pigs, all the huffing and the puffing and the blowing your house down. Yeah, Jews in Jesus's time knew scripture even better than we know those simple things. They knew all of the Old Testament, upside down and backwards. Many knew the entirety of the text by heart. Can you imagine? In that culture, especially in that time, their entire lives were surrounded by and devoted to Scripture, studying it, memorizing it. Those were part of their daily lives, their routines. It was all the Jews, not just the people that worked in the church or synagogue, right? That's the first area that I want to explore with you in thinking about Psalms this morning. Number one, the power of knowing God's word by heart. Okay, don't check out yet. Hear me out. I want to show you something very specific about this teaching method. I'm not just talking about the idea of memorizing words. Rabbis and teachers, especially in Jesus' day, assumed that everyone listening would have strong knowledge of Scripture, knowing much of it, like I said, by heart. And when they wanted to communicate something in an even deeper and more powerful way, they would say or allude to one part of a Scripture passage, confident that the listeners knew Scripture well enough to know what comes either right before it and or right after it, just like Fulton did with Izzy, right? And the listeners would be able to get the message that was really being delivered from just that small portion. But here's the deal. If you didn't know the scripture or that part of the scripture that was being referenced, you would miss the entire point. You'd have no idea what the rabbi or teacher was saying at all. It was even more reason to study scripture. Jesus used this teaching method all the time. It's recorded over and over in the Bible. And I've even taught you a few of them before. Do you remember when the Pharisees and the religious leaders brought the woman to Jesus in John chapter 8? Remember how they were trying to trap Jesus? They were asking what he would do with her because she'd been caught in the act of adultery. Remember how scripture says that Jesus bent down and he started writing in the dust? We don't even know. It's not recorded what he wrote exactly, but that didn't even matter. The fact was he was writing in the dust and everyone there watching Jesus write in the dust in that way, all of those people present there that knew scripture, their minds immediately went to Jeremiah 17. We've read it before. Look at it with me. Jeremiah 17, 13 says, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you, will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord. Wow, forsaken the Lord? What did Jesus just say in that moment to those religious leaders without even having to say it out loud? He was telling those leaders that the whole idea that they dragged that woman there, that they'd tried to punish her publicly in that way, that they're turning from the Lord. Their hearts weren't in line with what God wanted. What they were seeking wasn't pure. It wasn't the will of God. 
We have even further confirmation that this is what Jesus was doing because scripture says this. Look at John 8 verse 9. At this, those, meaning the Pharisees and religious leaders who heard, began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Wait, heard? Heard what? Jesus didn't say anything. He just wrote in the dust. Ah, But he said so much, right? Why the older ones first? Because they knew scripture better. They had studied it longer and got to Jesus's point and made that connection of what he was actually saying with that remez even faster. So powerful. Remez, a teaching method based on people truly knowing scripture by heart. And again, we see it throughout. Most theologians agree that from what we're told in the accounts of scripture, Jesus quoted from the book of Psalms in this Remez method of teaching far more than any other book of the Old Testament. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Jesus loved quoting a line or a specific phrase from a psalm to people that knew the word to be able to pack a punch on an even deeper level. I want to show you a couple of my favorite times that Jesus does this. Let's go to Matthew 21. Jesus is super frustrated with the Pharisees and religious leaders. Um, hello, do you see a pattern here, right? He's already flipped the tables in the temple courts. I love that story. Remember that? He knocked them over, not because they were selling things there. People had been doing that for a very long time. Jesus was angry that the religious leaders had set up a corrupt system, a system that benefited them and their elitist friends and families while abusing others. Jesus was not having it. And I love that he was so incredibly public about his disdain for this. After he flips the tables and lets them know what he thinks, he actually goes on in the next moment to minister to the same people that those religious leaders had been taking advantage of. Jesus starts healing and performing miracles. People are watching their friends that were blind, now able to see. And children that are watching all of it, they begin to excitedly sing praises to Jesus and really about Jesus. Hosanna, they said. And these kids are doing this chant of praise very loudly and in that same public setting. Look at what happens. Matthew 21, verse 15. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law, I want to stop right there because I need for you to remember The chief priests, the teachers of the law, these are the people that know the Torah and the Talmud. Those are what we call the Old Testament, right? These people know those books of scripture better than anyone, right? They've actually taken tests and been in school for their entire lives for this. These are the people that know every word of the Old Testament by memory. I'm not exaggerating. They would have had to have taken all of those tests to prove that they know scripture in this way. And that's how they got those positions and those titles. So verse 15 says that those people saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, meaning Jesus, right? Those people, they were indignant. Indignant is what scripture says. They were full of rage and hate and anger. What? How? But they knew all of scripture by heart. Don't miss this picture here, friends. Don't miss this principle. 
You can know all of Scripture and still not experience the heart of God. You can know every single passage, but still hate Jesus and what he stands for and his spirit. You can know every single word of the Bible, but still despise the way the Spirit of God operates, desires to operate, and calls us to operate. Let that sit with you for a second. In Psalm 119, when the psalmist talked about hiding God's word in his heart to keep him from sin or walking the wrong path, this was so much more than memorizing. And that's my next point for you. If you're taking notes, the first one is the power of knowing God's word, right? There is, there is power in that. And there's so much teaching that can take place, especially through scripture, if we're willing to do that. But number two is the power of knowing God's word versus God's heart. Let me explain what I mean by this. Like I said, you can know all of scripture by memory and not know God, not know or share his heart or his mindset or his spirit. We see this here. Let's go back to that passage. So these teachers of the law, and by law, they mean the law of God or scripture. They're indignant. First of all, I love that word, indignant. That's like, it's so passionate, right? Let's look at what happens next. Matthew 21, 15 and 16. Do you hear what these children are saying? They, meaning the Pharisees and teachers of the law, asked Jesus. I love Jesus's reply. Look at this. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? Now I want to stop right there because I want you to realize that Jesus is about to quote scripture, but before he quotes it, he publicly asks these religious leaders that have spent their lives memorizing scripture for literally easily decades, if they've ever even read scripture. Oh my goodness. Friends, you think the Bible's not funny or Jesus didn't have an attitude? I disagree with you fully. (laughs) Jesus says, Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you Lord have called forth your praise? Now, Jesus is quoting directly out of Psalm 8, 2. And every one of those religious leaders standing there hating Jesus would have known that immediately. I love Jesus's audacious use of Ramez here. They hated him. And what he just said gave them another reason to. Let's look at the full passage from Psalms that Jesus is quoting so we can see what he actually is saying to all these dudes very publicly. Psalms 8, 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your what? Enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. What are you talking about? Do you see what Jesus just said to them publicly? He called them, teachers of the law, enemies of God. These religious leaders knew scripture better than anyone. But Jesus knew they refused to operate in the heart of God. He knew they were indignant with him when they saw him operating in the spirit and the heart of the father. And despite their head knowledge of all of that scripture, They were operating in opposition to God's actual heart, God's actual will, his actual way. As a result, Jesus called them enemies of God. Friends, this is big, right? That's so huge. I believe we're seeing a lot of the same thing around us, around the world today, right? We're seeing people, even religious leaders, 
some that might even know tons of scripture, we're seeing them use that scripture for the opposite of what the Lord shows us is clearly his heart and his way. And not me, don't get mad at me. It was Jesus himself that calls them enemies of God. What do we do with that? Well, I know what I personally have to do with it. I have to ask God to search my heart constantly. I believe that we all need to. The psalmist understood this. He wrote it this way. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. The psalmist says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Meaning, search my heart continually, Lord. Help me to weed out the stuff that doesn't look like you and actually walk the way you taught us to walk. Loving, serving, preferring others. It doesn't matter how much scripture we know if we don't allow our hearts to align with God's. And this has to be continual. Okay, number one, the power of knowing God's word by heart. It is powerful. I love that you now know Remez and you can look for it in scripture. There's life and treasure beyond comprehension. But these are only accessed by allowing his spirit do number two, right? The power of knowing God's word versus God's heart. If we're unwilling to operate in Jesus's footsteps by his spirit, in his spirit, with his spirit, then no amount of knowing his word will even affect us. We must invite him to search our hearts and ask his spirit to guide us in what he desires. And finally, number three, the power of knowing that you are God's heart. JF and I both have told our own versions of our story so many times, but it's one that I do love to tell, and we both honestly tell it really differently. (laughs) I remember being 20 and meeting JF in Nashville, Tennessee. His little brother introduced us, and we did hit it off immediately, but JF was a handsome, I mean, he's still handsome, but then he was a handsome musician that had just signed a record deal, and I was about to graduate and move across the country for a research gig. I know, nerd world. So when he called me a couple days after we met and asked if he could drive the two and a half hours to my university to take me to lunch, I said what any sane woman would say. Nah, brah, I'm good. Catch you later. Honestly, I was not about to get my heart wrapped up in a traveling musician that was going to live thousands of miles from me. It seemed way too risky. Let's be honest, it was way too risky. We went years of knowing each other and just keeping in touch. We both dated other people because, you know, we lived in very different parts of the country and we weren't about to get serious with someone that, you know, we lived so far away from. We... Basically, both knew that we had stuff to do. That's important, single people. But then one day, literally seven years after we initially met, I was back in Nashville, Tennessee. I was a professor at Vanderbilt University, and he was a worship leader and teaching pastor in Miami, Florida, at a church there. And one night, he calls to chat the way that we honestly would touch base every month or two. And when I answer... This dude says to me, hey, Ash, uh, I'm calling to tell you I'm done. So I'm probably in the middle of five different things. And I go, oh, awesome. You're done with what? Like another album? 
And he said, no, I'm done with dating. I'm ready to get married. And I was like, oh, dang, that's huge. Who is she? And he said, you. And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, uh, yeah, no, I'm serious. And I was like, yeah, me too. You're insane. And, and anyway, I explained to him, um, dear, we have never even dated. You don't know what you're saying. You're clearly sick. Go get some sleep. We'll talk when you're well. I hung up. I went to bed. I, I was laughing literally about his silliness and what clearly had to be a joke. And the next morning, I woke up. I got ready to leave to go teach my class. And as I opened the door of my apartment, this dude was sitting on my stoop, okay? Like right there in front of my door. And he looked up and he said, do you believe me now? I was floored. I literally was without words. And let's be honest, for me, that is saying a lot, okay? This guy had flown overnight from Miami to Nashville on a whim just to show me that he was serious about wanting my heart. I love our story. But you want to know what's a million times more powerful than that? The God of the universe sent his son, the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, because he wanted our hearts. We have always been what he wants most. He was not only willing to come to earth as the word, scripture in flesh, God's word walking in skin, living God's heart out to perfection for all of us to see and to read. He didn't stop there. He was willing to go to a hill called Golgotha, which literally means place of the skull. He was willing to go there for you and for me and die the most excruciating death and bear spiritually and physically all of our sickness, our disease, our sin, our shame, so that we don't have to pay any of that price. Just to show us that we are what he wants most. That God was willing to do anything it took to reconcile us to him. Let's go there together for a second. I'm sure you know the account is recorded in all four Gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what I want to show you today as we close is that I believe that in that time on the cross, bleeding, suffering, dying for you and for me, that Jesus was still teaching in this incredible way of remiss. In fact, I believe he's doing it while quoting a psalm on the cross. Many Jews refer to this specific psalm as the most common death psalm. And I believe that as Jesus hung on the cross, he is choking out lines of Psalm 22 in his agony. And I want to show you this. Can you look with me? Friends, we know that this is Psalm 22. It's verse 1. Look, Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? By the way, God had never forsaken Jesus. Can I say that out loud? I've been taught that my whole life, that God turned his face away from Jesus in that moment because he couldn't look on sin. But I haven't found that anywhere in scripture. I even asked Pastor Ken to help me look. God the Father never turned his back on Jesus, even though it might have felt that way. Just like he hadn't forsaken the psalmist that wrote that line, that passage so long before Jesus was ever even born on the earth. But I love that scripture is constantly reminding us that even though we feel 
very often feel that way, like he's forsaken us, he never actually will, even in our darkest moments. I think even the remez of this passage shows us that. Look at the verses around the one that Jesus is yelling from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. I feel this way, God. I feel in anguish, but you are still the God you've always been. Verse 4, in our, in you our ancestors put their trust They trusted you and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. What is he saying there? I've seen you do it for others, Lord, and you can and you will do it again. Man, if we understand this principle of Remez teaching, we have to know that this is part of the message that Jesus is giving us from the cross. I believe Jesus was telling us, yes, you'll feel at times as though God has left you, but you can still trust him. It doesn't stop there. The same Psalm 22, a few passages down, articulates the exact scene. Now remember, this has been written way before Jesus was even born. The exact scene that the Gospels tell us about. Verse 6, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by people. All who see me mock me. Do you see that? They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Verse 9, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Do you see how this mirrors what John describes? Look at John 19, 26. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing there, he, Jesus says, woman, here's your son. Right? There's that those passages, mother, womb, son, daughter, and here is your mother. This is again what Jesus is choking out from the cross. Psalm 22, 14. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and I and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Jesus said, I am thirsty. Do you see it? Psalm 22 again, 16. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Wow. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Do you see this playing out? Have you ever seen that mirror? I believe it's still Remez. I believe the next passages are again what he is teaching through these pictures, through him on the cross. Because Psalm says, look at this, verse 22, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. That's us. All you descendants of Israel, that's us too. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him. Do you see that answer there? But he has listened to his cry for help. Friends, regardless of what you're facing, he's not scorning you. He's not hiding his face from you. He hears your cry for help. Verse 25, 
From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. For before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. Look at this. Luke 23, 46. Jesus called out with a loud voice. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Just another way to say this, right? Translation, it's mirrored. He's even reminding with his last breaths never to forget the next passages. Verse 26, because of how much Jesus loves us and what he was doing in that moment, friends. Verse 26, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. I believe Jesus is saying this to us. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Verse 30, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. That's us, guys. He has done it. Sounds a lot like John 19, 30, doesn't it? Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That's how much he loves you, friends. I believe that as he was being crucified, he was still teaching, still showing us all the layers, his future for us, his everlasting love. That's how far he's willing to go for you and how much he wants you to grasp and begin to understand that you are forever his heart. One, the power of knowing God's word by heart. It is powerful. There's life in it. That life is really only truly accessed by his spirit. That brings us to number two, the power of knowing God's word versus God's heart. The real power for us comes when we're willing to operate in Jesus's footsteps according to his word by his spirit. Without his mind or his heart, no amount of knowing his word will even matter to our real spiritual lives. And number three, the power of knowing that you are God's heart. You are. Relationship, closeness, communion with you. That's what he desires. That's why he gave everything so that nothing could or would ever separate you from his love. Family, understanding that changes everything. I want to pray for you right now. Pray with you. Pray for you. I hope that this message today encouraged you to dive into scripture in a brand new way. Not discouraging you because you don't know all the ins and outs and you haven't memorized scripture. I haven't memorized that much scripture, I gotta tell you. But really understanding that when we study his word and allow his spirit to unpack it to us, to reveal his heart and how all of that Old Testament, all the stories, all of his law was not abolished with Jesus. It was fulfilled. It was brought to fruition that we can look at what Jesus did and what he said and how he instructed us and we can know the right path to live by his spirit, by his heart. And maybe today you're not even aware that you are just that. You're his heart. Regardless of what you've done, Our Savior, I believe, died on the cross, quoting scripture to teach you, even here, even now, 
that foreshadowing, that understanding of the in-between, so much that he has for you and for me. If you've never said yes to him, I want to invite you to do that now. He is a loving God that has so much for you. His forgiveness, his mercy, his grace. Scripture says it chases us. Let it catch you right now. If you're wherever you are, if you're in your car, maybe you're in your house, maybe you're in your backyard sweating like me, wherever you are, just say that to him. Lord, I want you. I want what you have for me. I want your forgiveness. I want to live this life for you. Unpack your word to me, God, through your spirit. Help me, Lord, to even memorize some. Let me hide it in my heart, not just in a memorizing way, but that I operate my heart, my mind operates out of it. Lord, help us all to do that. Lord, I just pray right now for my friends and family watching that you would begin to give us an excitement for your word, for the depth that it is, all the facets of that incredible diamond that I always love talking about. Or give us a hunger for more of you. And Lord, not for religious purposes or for any sort of notoriety, but for God, for us to reveal your love to others. Help us to do that. Help us to walk in the paths that you've called us to. And help us to know and walk in the security of knowing that we are your great love. We thank you, God, for what you're doing through your living, breathing word. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, wasn't that an amazing teaching? Man, I hope that it impacted you. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we really stress here at Pacific Coast Church is whenever we hear the word, however it's presented, but when we receive it, man, we got to do something with it, right? In fact, this morning I had a men's Bible study at seven o'clock in the morning. And that was one of the things that we talked about. We were reading from the book of John and we got done with the hour together and it was like, all right, well, how are we going to apply what we just read and what we just talked about to our actual lives? And so one of the things that we do here at PCC is we, uh, at the end of uh, anything online, we just give some um, um, questions that you can meditate on even starting today, this week, and maybe in your quiet time or maybe with your small group. It's a, it, These are questions that are great for discussion. So if uh, you got a smart device or if you can write really fast, <laughs> make sure uh, you check out these three questions that I'm going to give you right now. If you got a smart device, I encourage you just to take a quick picture. All right, here it is. Number one, this is what it says. Does reading and knowing scripture interest you? Why or why not? What might make it more interesting for you? That's exactly what I was just alluding to just a second ago. That's the first question. Here's the second question that you can take and meditate on this week. And that is, what does it mean to align your heart with God's? What does that look like on a daily basis? All right. And then here's the third question. That is, why does it matter then Jesus might have quoted Psalm 22 on the cross. How does that change the way you see those moments? All right. So, hey, take those questions, meditate on them, talk about them in your small groups. Hey, and we just want you to know how much we appreciate and love every one of you watching today. We're outside, of course. We're trying to like stretch these last days of summer out. And uh, hey, just enjoy 
the rest of this season with those that you love. And we want you to know here at Pacific Coast Church, we love you. And if you're brand new, if you're checking stuff out, hey, please get in touch with us. We would love to get together with you. Of course, this next weekend, we won't be meeting in person. It's our seasonal Sabbath. We're going to have a beautiful presentation uh, right here online. So make sure you tune in for that. You're going to love it. And then we'll be right back in person the following weekend. All right. Make it a great week and God bless you so much. We love you.